Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. day I was walking back from an errand that I had and I could have sworn you were in my neighborhood. Really? Maybe I was. Maybe I, I was watching you from the bushes. No, I think you might have a secret twin. I probably do. I've been told that before. Really? Mm-hmm. In Portland? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always been fascinated with people who have said they've encountered their identical twin. And according to statistics, the odds of running into your twin is much higher than you would think. Because of population size, they say that we all have at least seven people in the world that look almost identical to us. Seven people? Seven people in the world that look almost identical to us. And there is less genetic diversity than you would think. But today, I am going to be talking about a paranormal definition, a doppelganger, which is a German word meaning do-goer, and it is said to be an identical ghostly double of yourself. So, not just a stranger who looks like you. It is said if you encounter your own doppelganger, it is a bad omen of your own death or demise. Doppelgangers, by the way, cast no shadow. One of the most famous stories is that of school teacher Emily Seiji, who had a rather persistent doppelganger. Emily was an exemplary teacher loved by her students, but had changed teaching positions 19 times in 16 years. Wow. Why, you ask, Holly? Why? Why, Carol? Well, back in 1845, Emily was teaching at an exclusive all-girls school in Latvia when, in front of the whole classroom, her doppelganger appeared next to her as she was writing on the chalkboard. Whoa. The ghostly copy of the teacher mimicked her moves. It was said that her doppelganger was seen several times as she was teaching and was witnessed by 42 students in one incident that happened on a summer afternoon when she was called outside to speak with a headmistress. The students reported that they saw a double of her strolling in the gardens tending to the flowers outside the classroom, and then her double also appeared and sat down in a chair in the corner of the classroom. That's creepy. It was said that two of the students had approached the ghostly figure in the chair and put their hands out to touch her, but it went right through her body. Ooh, I didn't realize the doppelgangers were, um, you can, you could, that they're not solid, that they're translucent. Yeah, they are um, interesting because it's kind of like halfway in between. The students said when they put their hands out, it felt like touching soft cloth. Oh, weird. I wonder if that's like ectoplasm or something. Oh, I don't know. So Emily said she had never encountered or seen her own doppelganger, but it freaked out the students so much she was forced to resign from her position. When Emily was asked about the incidents and her feelings about what was happening, she said that it seemed that when she was wishing to be doing something else or thinking about something, the doppelganger would fulfill that wish. Huh. So it was as if she was bilocating herself. It was also noticed that she would lose energy when her doppelganger appeared, as if it was sucking the life force out of her. Weird. Yeah. Apparently, the doppelganger was so persistent in following her wherever she chose to work. Could you imagine a ghost stalker that you can't file a restraining order against? (laughs) But it's weird because it's kind of helping her by doing the things that she wants to do. 
It yeah. is. It's like she's projecting herself into other situations and having the experience, but not as a full person. Right. It's like her subconscious is is getting gaining that experience. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, this poor lady, she was haunting herself. At least she never saw it because then she would die, you know, but her life was wrecked anyway. Yeah. She couldn't keep a teaching job for the life of her. Because of her creepy twin that was following her yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it was scaring the little kids. Yeah. Anyway, the next story is about Catherine the Great, who ruled Russia in the late 18th century. She was considered a fearless leader who was also a bit eccentric in her sexual appetites, but we will focus <laughs> on a different aspect that many historians fail to mention. That's the, put the great in her title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catherine had an episode where she saw her own doppelganger. It was reported that two of her servants woke up Catherine one night while she was already in bed. And when she asked why they were checking on her, they said it was because they knew she went to sleep but were very concerned because they also saw her just recently walk into the throne room. Hmm. Catherine, being fearless, got straight up to investigate the situation and came face to face with her identical self sitting proudly on her throne. Well, Catherine was not going to allow anyone to sit on her throne, even if it was her identical self. <laughs> and so she immediately Get gave out of her bitch. <laughs> right. So she immediately gave orders to shoot her double. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of a strange order to give. What if they mess up? And accidentally shoot her. Yeah. Thinking she's yeah. the double. Yeah. 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 It was said that soon after shots were fired, her doppelganger disappeared without any evidence of being shot. However, soon after the incident, Catherine was found lying on the floor of a closet by her bedroom and died the next day after suffering a brain hemorrhage. Not crushed by a horse like many have reported. <laughs> and I know you know that story. I do know that story, and that's exactly what but I was thinking. This picturing. is not a rated X <laughs> podcast, so we're not talking about that. Anyway, Holly, do you know the famous German writer and politician Johann Wolfgang von Goethe? So well, so well. He lived from 1749 to 1832, and apparently he also met his doppelganger. He tells about a day when he was walking depressed on a footpath after saying goodbye to a girl he liked, Frederica. A vision came over him in his mind of a man in the distance riding on a horse. He was surprised to see an identical version of himself wearing different clothes and with great energy riding swiftly towards him. He said a strange calm came over him, cheering him from his depression, and he soon forgot all about the incident. Years later, he said he felt deja vu as he was riding down the same footpath on a horse in the opposite direction back to see Frederica again. It was at this exact moment he realized that the clothes that he was wearing was identical to the clothes from the vision he saw years ago. Oh, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah. A now, prophetic doppelganger. Yeah. Now, Goethe also saw the doppelganger of his friend, Frederick, walking on the street dressed in Goethe's bathrobe. Confused by the attire, <laughs> Goethe went straight home to see if his robe was missing and found his friend Frederick dressed in the same robe reclining in his chair. His friend told him he got drenched in a rainstorm and only borrowed his robe waiting for his own clothes to dry. Now, it is commonly thought if you see a doppelganger wearing your clothes, you need to go and burn the outfit or item it was wearing in order to break the link. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so that's interesting. Okay. I guess, you know, that was something that they thought you needed to do. And I'm not sure if either of these specific cases uh, of Gerda was seeing a true doppelganger because 
There was no demise or death following these sightings, and also Goethe was having these visions, he said, in his mind. So not true ghostly sightings. Hmm. But either way, I would not be hanging around with anybody with the name Fred in their name. <laughs> and that is the pattern I'm seeing. Are you seeing that too? Freds are bad. Clearly. Frederica and Frederick. Too yeah, weird. That's oh, too weird. but you want to know another oddity? What? Johan's father. Fred. Get this. No. <laughs> get this. Huh. Was named Johan Casper Goethe. Weird. Yeah. Casper is making an appearance. I know. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. That is funny. And it's interesting that you have to burn the clothes. Like, they're the link. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? That is so weird. It is. Okay. But it's kind of like that energy is connected with them because they chose to appear to you in that outfit. In, those out in that outfit, yeah. So it would make sense. Why would you save something that was connected to an incident like that you would want to get rid of all ties unless the incident was really good and just burn your house down if you saw the do <laughs> doppelganger in your house because that's a tie yeah. too yeah and the that's, chair that's it was sitting yeah. in burn that too yeah burn it all just burn it all, burn to it all hell. the ground <laughs> <laughs> now one of my very favorite poets who i never interpreted their poems correctly was percy shelley and we know he just also happens to be the husband of Mar marcy shelley is it Marcy Shelley, the author of Frankenstein? Mary Shelley. Marcy, Mary, Marcy, Wait, wait, Mary. wait. Alexa? I think who, it's Mary Shelley. Who wrote Frankenstein? Alexa? Who wrote Frankenstein? It's not... Frankenstein was written by Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley and published in 1818. All right, shut up. This is my story. <laughs> Good job, Alexa. I'll pay you some yeah. money later. It's my story, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein. And anyway, he was said to have had a doppelganger also. Really? And not only once, but frequently, Percy Shelley would see his double. Was it a tall green guy with bolts for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it was the inspiration for Mary. I can see that. Frequently, Percy would see his double. Percy would tell Mary that he would have several conversations with his double and related the story as one time he walked out on a terrace and his doppelganger greeted him by asking, How long do you mean to be content? Now, if this wasn't a strange thing to ask and very unsettling, the doppelganger also appeared to Mary's good friend, Jane Williams. Hmm. Jane claimed that she saw Percy walking by her window on a path that leads to a dead end, but never saw him returning. Mary told Jane that Percy was nowhere near that area at the time she witnessed him, so it couldn't possibly be her husband. That's a weird thing to say. How long do you mean to be content? And then the neighbor saw him walking to a dead end. Very symbolic. Very symbolic. Yeah, like a metaphor. Right. Like your life is going nowhere. You need to wake up. You're wasting your life. There's no reason for you to be here. You're just a, a yeah. um, just not doing what you're supposed you're, to do. You're not reaching your full potential. Right. You're content. You're not doing anything to strive. That's, that's, that would be my guess. Yeah, that's kind of my interpretation. So it definitely was a bad omen because Percy did end up dying shortly after these sightings by drowning in a sailing accident in 1812. Oh, wow. Huh. So makes me want to be very productive with my life. Yeah, I guess his doppelganger was right. Yeah. Get your shit together or I'm taking you out. Right. But now, what if the doppelganger could have survived and like left, like led on and like changed his life and made it like more livable? Yeah, more maybe he was a walk-in. That's another story we should do. Oh, walk-ins. Right. Oh, yeah. 
the differences between walk-ins and doppelgangers and there are so many crazy so many things. Weird things. Yeah. I know. I love it. Yeah. So here are some terrifying modern day stories of people seeing doppelgangers. And okay. of course, they come from our favorite board, Reddit. <laughs> oh, hi, Reddit. From our Reddit forum, we, we have the story from Quiet Voice 4846. She relates her story saying when she gets up to go to the bathroom during the night, she can still see herself out of the corner of her eye standing in front of the mirror. Oh, creepy. As hell. Oh, no thanks. Quote, every time I leave, it is like the other me is watching me leave the bathroom. It terrifies me to the point where I almost run out without looking directly at the mirror. God, I hope she's lying. I I I never told my husband about it because I didn't want to acknowledge it out loud. Earlier today, I took a nap in our bed while he sat in the chair next to it watching TV. When I woke up, he told me that he had seen me sit up and crawl backwards to the edge of the bed and stand up in front of our bedroom door from the corner of his eye. I love how it's like they're seeing this all from the corner of their eyes. And if she's crawling backwards, wouldn't you turn to look to see what the fuck? That makes me think of um, the the, uh, omen. No, not the omen. The um, exorcist where she crab walks down the stairs that's exactly what i thought like the creepy back yeah no no so maybe he was scared and was like afraid to look so anyway he said (laughs) he said he thought it was weird i got up like that because i'm in the last month of my pregnancy and i can't really move so well without it hurting oh maybe that's why so he tried talking to me when i didn't answer he looked at the door to find me not there and still sleeping in bed. I got really creeped out, and I finally told him what I've been seeing in the bathroom, and he thought it was creepy as well. And you know what? I hate to say this. Um, it's the baby. I think it's a bad omen of the baby. Mm-hmm. She's got Rosemary's baby in yeah, her. Yeah, that's not No, good. cut that, Josh. Cut that. <laughs> no, keep that, Josh. We have to warn her. <laughs> I'm sure everything's okay. Uh-huh, I don't no. believe in omens. She's giving birth to Satan. We all. Oh know God, it. we're moving on. Speaking of seeing your twin in the mirror, mm-hmm. this ties in. Did you know our former President Lincoln had a strange incident also that happened in 1860? Did he have a twin? He did. When he was reclining on a couch, he saw a twin reflection of his face looking at him from a mirror on the wall. His wife, Mary, also saw the second face, and because it was so pale and ghostly, she became very frightened. When Lincoln got up to investigate the doppelganger, the second face disappeared. Hmm. He sat back down on the couch, but when he sat back down, the doppelganger appeared once more in the mirror. Hmm. Mary, who was very superstitious and believed in omens, was terrified. She knew that seeing the doppelganger was a bad sign, and she predicted that Lincoln would be reelected a second term, but would not survive it. Well, she was right. She was. I wonder if uh, the reflection in the mirror, if there was like a bullet wound in his head or something, like, you know, showing Ooh. him how he was going to die. The The story that I read just said that it was just, he was pale. It was like a pale, sickly version of himself. He got shot in the back of the head, though, so maybe that wouldn't make sense to see in the mirror if you're looking Mm-mm. directly at the front of the reflection. Huh. Yeah. Mm. My last story comes from Reddit user Hyperham51197. I just get so (laughs) tickled with all these names. Hyperham. Hyperham. Quote, I remember one time I was talking to my dad in a hallway of my house. 
I don't really remember what it was about. We both saw my mom clearly walk past us and into her room shutting the door. I walked back out into the living room, but my mom was still on the couch asleep. <laughs> Yuck. No, thanks. Yeah, we both crept over to their bedroom and looked at the closed door. Neither of us dared to go inside, and I'm pretty sure my dad slept on the floor that night. Did he confront his mother the next day? I don't like, know. The there was, was nothing. That? You know, I should have read further the comments, but <laughs> I was like, okay, that's it. That's scary enough. That's scary. Yeah. That's scary. Ooh. So we'll have to check back and see if any of them have had um, bad things happen since yeah. because, you know, that that is the scary thing about seeing your, your doppelganger is yeah. that that omen seems to be part of the story yeah except for gerda he didn't have anything because it was just in his mind at least that we have that that can comfort us like he's just crazy but the rest yeah. of the stories are very disturbing <laughs> they are <laughs> and and the question is are they by locating do they have the ability to by locate or are they somehow astral projecting subconsciously and not knowing it i don't know you know it kind of makes me think about that story I did last season on Lizzie Borden in which Amy Allen said that Lizzie Borden's personality had split and that the part of her that was evil and had done the murders still lived in the house. You know what this reminds me? That. Reminds me of Harry Potter yeah. and the hoard crutches uh, where you're splitting your souls up into there, like there six go. different, yeah, mm -hmm. horror yeah. crutches. I mean, I think that makes sense because if you think about it, I mean, the way I think about souls and personalities and stuff, I think of them like a diamond with many different faucets. And we all have sides that get more developed than other sides. And, you know, perhaps they splinter off and maybe that gets projected somehow physically into our world. You know, I've always had like really a vivid dream life. And yeah, I sometimes have. feel like I'm living a second life in my dream world. And I wonder if that's like my mm -hmm. second self. Oh, maybe. Um, acting out like me wanting to be, um, you know. I don't know, mountain climber or something, <laughs> whatever it was that I was dreaming. But, you know, right. I would have these fantastic vivid dreams and yeah. you'd wake up and you'd be like, oh, my gosh, was that real? Was that that was so realistic? And Yeah, I had a dream like that recently where I was in Southern California and I was outside. I could feel the heat of the sun and the humidity in the air. That's how detailed it was. Wow. And everything was so bright and vivid that when I woke up, I actually was like, was I there? Because it felt like I was there. Yeah, I mean, if you're feeling heat and yeah. you're feeling humidity. the sun, yeah, yeah, I could feel, cool. I could feel the humidity. I could feel, I could see all of the things in such detail that it really left left me feeling like I had actually gone and visited there. Now I used to live in Southern California, and I um, don't remember this area in my dream ever being there, but perhaps it exists and I've just never been there before. I don't know. It was weird. You know, and I think for our health purposes, we do have to bilocate to get some sun yeah, during the, the year out here. <laughs> Up here in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, that's very maybe true. a lot of us are doing that in our sleep just yeah. to survive this thing. Perhaps. Of how many days of no sunshine. Right. And COVID lockdown. So, Carol, I see your doppelgangers, and I raise you evil twins. Yes, evil <laughs> twins. Do they exist, evil they twins? They sure do. Oh, my There's goodness. There's some evil ones out there. There's some very strange um, evil twin stories. There are the really popular ones, and those are the ones I'm going to do today. Um, but I know that 
that they've been covered by other places. So please forgive me if you've heard some of these stories and perhaps you haven't. So here we go. The first story I'm going to tell you is about Ursula and Sabina Erickson. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Olsen twins. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but close. Um, this is actually a pretty well-known story about these Swedish twins. They were born in 1967, and of course, they grew up in Sweden. The home of Ikea. <laughs> which you were just telling us about. Um, they had an older brother and an older sister. After growing up, Ursula moved to the United States, and Sabina moved to Ireland with her partner and had two children. On May 16th, 2008, Ursula... My birthday. Oh, that's Thank right. you very that much. Your birthday. Happy early birthday. On May 16th, 2008, Ursula came to Ireland to visit Sabina. The two decided to sneak out of Sabina's home and take off for Liverpool, England, but nobody knows why. Sneaky, sneaky. Yep, they just snuck out. Once they arrived in Liverpool, they went to the police station to report that Sabina's children were in danger. When the Liverpool station called the Dublin station to check on the children, they learned that Sabina had been fighting with her partner. Oh. So apparently she must have thought the partner was endangering the kids. I'm not sure. Yep, that's what it sounds like. After that, the sisters jumped on a bus headed for London. Once on the bus, the sisters were acting quite strange. They were acting nervous and they held on tightly to their bags. So the bus driver suspected they had illegal items in their bags. At a stop, the bus driver asked to search their bags and they refused. So he declined to let them back onto the bus. The bus driver told the manager of the service station where they were stopped that they were acting weird and he was going to leave them there. So the manager called the police. The police arrived and interviewed the women. The officers felt that they were not causing any harm, so they left. This set the course for Ursula and Sabina to walk down to the M6 motorway. This is where things get wild, Carol. Okay. When the twins got to the motorway, they tried to cross it. This would be like trying to cross a freeway impossible. It's like my game Frogger. Yeah. I could like never that. get through the road with my to my toad. No. It always gets squashed. Because of course you would. I mean, that's um, you're setting yourself up for failure if you try to cross a busy freeway. In their attempt, Sabina was grazed by a passing car. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Ouch. You know what? I think I've seen this. There is footage of it, and we'll be getting to that part. Officers from different police agencies were called to the scene. Once they arrived, one of them had a TV camera crew with a TV show called Motorway Cops with them. The TV crew started to record the scene. That's why there's footage of it. Mm -hmm. The first thing they captured was Ursula breaking free of the group and running into the oncoming high-speed traffic. Ursula runs smack dab into a Mercedes-Benz Actros 2546 articulated lorry or in American English, a really big truck. Let's just go with a really big truck. Let's That's a that. mouthful. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Actros is not easy to say. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. Okay. The truck was moving at about 56 miles per hour or 90 kilometers per hour for you Europeans out there and crushed Ursula's legs. Sabina then followed her sister out into traffic and was struck by another car. Sabina's accident caused her to be knocked out for about 15 minutes. Both of them refused medical treatment. Can you imagine having two busted legs and refuse medical treatment? You know, I watched that video and it's crazy their reaction because it just seemed they were inhuman almost. Yeah, to, almost like they to had superhuman strength or something. That's what yeah. I mean. Like they just were so, I mean, they didn't look like they were injured, but they really were. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. 
Um, Ursula screamed and spitted at the paramedics and said, I recognize you. I know you're not real. <laughs> Sabina joined her sister's rage and screamed, they're going to steal your organs. <laughs> so oh, they were wow. Really, they were really under some um, delusions. Of yeah, they were terrified. Yeah. But then Sabina, who apparently was not all that injured after smashing into the windshield of a moving car, Whoa. got to her feet, punched a cop in the face, and then tried once again to dive into traffic. Wow. She was finally captured by the first responders and members of the public who had stopped to help and took her to an ambulance where she was sedated. Ursula was flown to a hospital to have her legs treated, and Sabina was driven to another hospital for examination. Well, I'm glad they, even though they were refusing treatment, that they got them some help. Yeah. Um, my first reaction to hearing that is that they must be on some sort of drugs like PCP right. to withstand that kind of Yeah, to go pain. get by a car, get blown up into a windshield or have your legs crushed mm -hmm. and just keep on going is pretty intense. Yeah. About five hours later, Sabina was released from custody after acting normal. No psychiatric evaluations were performed. Hmm. The court did charge Sabina with trespass for her stint on the motorway and for striking a police officer, but she was sentenced to one day in custody and was released. Once released, Sabina tried to find her sister's hospital, but to no avail. She encountered a couple of men walking down the street, and she stopped to pet their dog. As she spoke to them, she told them she was looking for her sister and needed to find a place to stay. One of the men, Glenn Hollingshead, who liked to help out people in distress, offered her a place to stay at his home. Nice guy. Yeah, she accepted. The three of them returned to Hollingshead's home where they had drinks. However, Sabina was still acting quite strange. She kept looking out the window as if she was worried she was being followed. And then she would offer them her cigarettes and then snatch them out of their mouths, telling them that they were poisoned before they could, um, had a chance to smoke them. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> That's weird, right? Yes. Uh, the next day, Holling's head was found after he collapsed at his neighbor's feet, covered in blood, and said, she stabbed me before dying from his injuries. Then the So she killed him. Well, yeah. Then the neighbors saw Sabina take off. They called the emergency number and alerted the cops. Apparently, Sabina was seen running down the road, hitting herself in the head with a hammer. Okay, yeah, something's definitely wrong. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, we're pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. A passing motorist stopped and tried to subdue her, but she took a roof tile out of her pocket. Where a she roof got, tile. Where she got that, am I clear? And hit him with it and continued on her way. So she, she hits him with the roof tile and she takes off. Wow. She then runs to a 40-foot bridge and jumps onto the roadway below. She broke both ankles and fractured her skull, but she did survive. Unbelievable that they just aren't. It's like they don't have any fear, but they have fear. It's like the fear is making them do crazy stuff. Yeah. And the fear is over something that they are perceiving as a threat to them, but it's overpowering the fear of of dying by crossing a highway or by jumping off a bridge it's, or by yeah. anything else. Whatever the fear is, is not as scary as trying to cross a freeway. <laughs> Or so hitting, that's some fear. Or hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. I mean, it's just yeah. very strange. After recovering from her injuries, Sabina was put on trial for the murder of Glenn Hollingshead. Her attorney was able to argue that Sabina was suffering from a condition called folie à deux, which means the madness of two. The defense hmm. suggested that being exposed to her sister Ursula, who was already suffering from madness, made Sabina mad as well. Like she caught madness from her sister like you might catch a cold. 
That is weird. I've never heard of that condition. Right? It's very strange. Anyway, the full ado defense worked, and the judge dropped the murder charge to manslaughter. Sabina was sentenced to five years in prison and was released in 2011. Ursula recovered from her injuries and returned to America, where she is a member of the Sacred Heart Church in Bellevue, Washington, which is just up the street oh, from us. Well, that's comforting. Yeah. She's so she's far, right far up the street. Yeah, she is. But no further incidents well, with the, her? Well, the twins, no. Well, not that's made the news anyway. The twins were tested and did not have any drugs in their system. Neither hmm. did they have a history of psychiatric issues. Neither twin have ever given any real reason for their behavior. That is the strangest story. You know, when I saw that video, it was so alarming to me, but I never knew the backstory yeah. or what actually happened yeah. and what led them to do that. I really honestly thought they were robots or something, just yeah. something just so uh, able to withstand that impact. Well, it's, it's amazing because your brain is designed to keep you out of pain. And yeah. to keep you safe. And so doing something like what they were trying to do by crossing that freeway is like the opposite of what your brain is designed to do. So there must have been something going on that shut down that part of their brain of self-preservation. And that made them just want to do it anyway. Yeah, it's like the fight or flight instinct, but they had both. But it was in the reverse. Or I they guess. were fighting and flying. Yeah, yeah. At the same time. Yeah, weird. I don't know. Yeah, that is a crazy story. Yeah. Sure. And uh, it'd be interesting to know how they're doing now. I would yeah. love a follow-up. I haven't seen any other information about them. I imagine that they just want to go live a quiet life. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. So that's that. Well, thanks, Holly. Uh -huh. my, next, uh, my next story is about June and Jennifer Gibbons. June and Jennifer Gibbons were born in Yemen in 1963. They had an older sister and an older brother and another younger sister. Their father, Aubrey, was a technician for the Royal Air Force, which forced the family to move around a lot. Their mother, Gloria, was a housewife. It took the twins a while before they began to talk, which was about three years old. As the family had to constantly move to new locations because of the dad's job, the consistent changes caused the twins to move more towards each other and away from other people. They spoke in a sped-up Vian Creole language. Their parents were Caribbean immigrants, which made understanding them difficult for people to do. But they could understand each other. Mm -hmm. In 1974, the family moved to Wales, where the girls were taunted for being the only black children in their school. This reinforced their desire to only engage with each other. They even mirrored each other's actions. They would synchronize their steps while walking down the streets and froze if anyone noticed them. They were e each other's doppelgangers. Yeah, they kind of were. Yeah. By the time they turned 11 years old, they refused to be around anyone but each other, including their parents and other siblings. They refused to speak to anyone but each other. They were starting to receive attention for their bizarre behavior, so they were sent to therapy, which did not work. Finally, they were fully separated and sent to different boarding schools, but that made them catatonic and they withdrew entirely. When the girls returned home a few years later, they retreated to their bedroom and refused to interact with anyone but each other again. As puberty hit, they would wrap their chests in bandages so no one could see their developing breasts. Their Aww. mother had to leave food outside their room and shove mail under their door. Their family could hear them inside the room laughing and talking or fighting so they knew that they were still alive. Since the girls were not big on speaking, they decided to get into writing and started writing many short stories and novels. Finally, the girls became all a Twitter about boys. 
In fact, they lost their virginity a week apart to the same boy. Who this boy is or how they met him, I have no idea. Yeah, because they don't talk they to don't anyone. They don't talk to anyone, so I don't know how that worked out. They probably just like went online and picked somebody. <laughs> well, this was in the 1970s or 80s, okay. so there was no internet back in those days. Oh, I keep forgetting. Yeah, I, I always have that problem. I know. It's hard to remember our lives were like before the before internet. Before the internet. You know? However, despite their, or perhaps because of their newfound romance, the girls started to turn on each other and tried to kill each other. That's what happens when you love the same boy. That's right. As all great siblings do at one point or another, Jennifer tried to strangle June with a cord from her radio. <laughs> and June paid Jennifer back with a heavy, intentional head dunking in a river in which she held her underwater probably longer than she should have. Oh. In their diaries, June wrote that her sister was driving her insane and she feared Jennifer greatly as Jennifer, quote, had a murderous gleam in her eye. <laughs> End quote. Jennifer's diaries back this up as she said they had, quote, become fatal enemies in each other's eyes, end quote. The girls started experimenting with drinking, marijuana, and crime. At first, they started off committing petty theft, but soon they escalated to arson. They burned down a tractor store causing injuries and $200,000 worth of damage that, and followed that up with an attempted arson of a technical college. This time, they were caught, and because of their refusal to speak, instead of being sent to prison... They were sent to a mental institution called Broadmoor. Wow. The girl stayed at Broadmoor for 11 years. June later said she felt that because they would not speak to anyone, they received a much longer sentence than they should have. She said she even wrote to the queen for help. The girls were treated with antipsychotic medications, which caused some strange side effects like tardive dyskinesia. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, which causes involuntary repetitive movement. Eventually, their story was discovered by a writer named Marjorie Wallace, who ended up writing a book about the twins named The Silent Twins. It was published in 1986. Wallace claims that the first time she met the girls, they were brought into the room, carried by guards, as their bodies were completely stiff and they refused to move. Hmm. They would only look at the ground. Wallace couldn't get them to open up at first, so she started to talk to them about their writings, which caused them to come out of their shell and to speak with her. Eventually, Jennifer told Wallace that she had decided to die so that June could have a normal life. Oh, that's so nice of her. <laughs> right? Gosh. She said the twins had discussed it at length, and the only way for one of them to move on and live a normal life, the other twin would have to go. Okay, I don't know how they came to that conclusion. Why couldn't they just be normal? I don't know. Jennifer volunteered to do this for June. According to Ranker.com, when the girls were transferred from Broadmoor in 1993 to another clinic, Jennifer, who, quote, slept throughout the trip with her eyes open, was unresponsive and later pronounced dead upon arrival, end quote. As it turns out, at the ripe old age of 29, Jennifer Gibbons passed away of heart inflammation. Weird. Yeah. She had no drugs or poison in her system and was considered to be in good health. There was no known cause for the heart inflammation. She just lost the will to live I on guess. purpose. Yeah. She purposely she purposely got it out of there for uh, June. Her death at such a young age remains a mystery. Wallace stated that after Jennifer's death, June said, quote, I'm free at last, liberated, and at last Jennifer has given up her life for me, end quote. June said that Jennifer spoke her last words as they finally left Broadmoor. She said, quote, at long last, we're out, end quote leaving Broadmoor, and she was really out, like out, out. <laughs> so where is she now? Well, 
that's what Jennifer said before she died. Oh. They were leaving Broadmoor after being there for 11 years, which yeah. they said was a terrible experience. Right. So as they're leaving on the train or the bus or whatever, she said, at long last, we're out. She goes to sleep with her eyes open, which is weird. And then when they get to the new clinic, she's dead. Wow. Yeah. That After, is oh, a really disturbing story. It is. It's very sad, really. After Jennifer's death, June started to open up greatly about their relationship, even giving interviews to media outlets. She said that speaking their own language to one another and creating mirroring gestures started out as a game, but it went on for too long, which caused them to isolate from others. In one of June's diary entries, she said, quote, We are both holding each other back. There is a murderous gleam in her eye. Dear Lord, I am scared of her. She is not normal. She is having a nervous breakdown. Someone is driving her insane. It is me, end quote. Oh. Jennifer's death caused great grief. She's very enlightened of yeah. herself. Yeah. I mean, what an interesting experience. It is almost like a doppelganger experience in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer's death caused great grief in June. She wrote a poem for her twin and had it engraved in her headstone. It says, we once were two, we two made one, we no more two, through life be one. Rest in peace. Wow, that's pretty talented. Is, she's a good it's writer. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. June was released from the mental health clinic in 1994 and integrated into society. Her doctors have kept her on medication reportedly for schizophrenia, and she currently lives in a town on the coast of England somewhere. She visits her sister's gravesite every week. Yeah, it must be very sad for her to lose her twin if that was such a part of your life for so many years. Yeah. But very um, dysfunctional. Very dysfunctional and sad if you think about it. Like, I could understand when they're moving around all the time that every time they get put into a social situation, they're, they're either made fun of because of their race or they're not there long enough to make friends. So they just have to depend on each other and mm -hmm. just form that bond. But it got so strong and so close that they actually ostracized everybody else from them as well, which is very unique. I've never heard of that happening before. And twins naturally have a deep bond anyway. So to be completely isolated and dependent on yeah. each other, it's going to be stronger than just with a sibling, Absolutely. just a regular sibling. Yes. So yep. um, they've actually done studies of twins. And I find it fascinating how they can be separated at birth and they get reunited and they both have similar tastes, similar, Made um, similar life choices. habits, mm -hmm. similar life choices. They've yeah. even married partners with the same name. Yes, I've seen that before. Mm -hmm. It's freaky. Yeah, it's freaky. So oh. to me, it's almost like, are these really whole beings? Yeah. Well, my last story that I have about evil twins isn't really necessarily par paranormal in nature, but it is interesting. And it does really speak to that bond that you're talking about between twins. Mm -hmm. This is the story of Ronald and Donald Anderson. On one summer day in July of 1993, Brenda Anderson was walking up the street when she saw her estranged husband coming right for her. He attacked her and strangled her, then took her purse and fled. She fell to the ground unconscious. When the police caught up to her husband and arrested him, they were baffled. How could he be out when he was already behind bars for an earlier assault on his wife? As it turns out, Ronald Anderson had never been in prison at all. His twin brother, Donald, was serving his sentence for him, leaving Ronald on the outside to perpetrate another attack on Brenda. Oh my gosh, he went to prison for his brother? Yes. Uh, police finally figured out they had the wrong man behind bars. 
Donald and Ronald Anderson were twins in a family of 11 kids. Oh, wow. They grew up in Philadelphia with their other nine siblings, their parents, Mary, a homemaker, and William, a mover and hauler. As the boys grew older, they started having fun switching places and acting as each other. They got pretty good at it, too, and realized that people really couldn't tell when they had switched places. While they were still in school, their mother died, and the boys started to act out. Donald got into trouble for hitting another boy with a broken beer bottle. He claimed he was protecting his little brother, Ronald. Well, I'm not sure what order they were born in, but... Yeah, yeah. He claimed he was protecting his brother, Ronald. He ended up having to go to reform school for the incident. Donald said that their friends always referred to Donald as the evil twin because of his temper. In 1970, Ronald joined the Army to become a helicopter mechanic, but sometime after basic training and before his deployment to Korea... He decided he didn't want to go after all. He taught Donald all of the things he learned in basic training, so Donald went in his stead, where he falsely identified as his brother Ronald and fulfilled the service. After Donald got out of the military, he served a two-month jail sentence for Ronald in Philadelphia. Eventually, both twins ended up in Ventura County, California in 1979, where Donald was once again arrested and thrown in jail, this time, however, it was for traffic tickets that Ronald had received. Only he used Donald's name. <laughs> so nice. Ronald is just totally skating on this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah. wow, yeah. use me, abuse me. Pretty much. So the tickets were legitimately in Donald's name, though Ronald was the one committing the infractions. After Ronald attacked his wife, Brenda, with a knife, he was sentenced to six months in jail and told he had to turn himself in. Donald knew he wouldn't do it, so Donald, of course, stepped in again to serve his brother's time. Donald said, quote, I took my brother's place because he had all these problems. My brother has never been in jail for a long time. I've been in jail. I could handle it, end quote. Well, of course you've been in jail for a long time. You always go and serve his sentences. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, come on, dude. Like got some serious martyr Something. syndrome going on. And to your point earlier, Carol, experts say that the bond between twins is so tight that when a twin dies, the grief the other twin experiences is on the same level as losing a spouse or a child. So perhaps yeah. that is why Don was so protective of Ronald. He did not want to lose him. Yeah, it seems like they would do anything for their twin. I've yeah. heard that a lot mm -hmm. from twins. It's, I've, it's like they share a body or something. Yeah, or some sort of a soul connection that they can't, they come into this world. Like I've, I've heard stories where even, heard this one story where these this twin babies uh, were born and it, it became apparent that one of the babies was going to die. Mm. But then they laid the twin next to the other baby and a miracle have happened. Basically, the, the baby started to get better immediately. Oh, wow. So wow. it was like taking the life force of the other twin baby yeah. together. Yeah. They were healing Gun's each stronger. other. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Once authorities figured out the switch between Ronald and Donald, they released Donald and imprisoned Ronald. Ronald was charged with attempted murder, spousal battery, and robbery because of the purse snatch and given the maximum sentence of 14 years in prison. Donald moved across the street from the Ventura jail so he could be closer to Ronald. And of course, Donald said, if given the chance, he would serve the 14-year prison sentence for his brother. Of course he would. Yeah. So even though the brothers were quote-unquote evil, they were actually very loving. Well, Donald was very loving towards Ronald. I'm not sure about Ronald towards Donald, but... <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. very dysfunctional, yeah. but, but had good qualities yeah. about... Really caring for one another, or well, at least one of the twins did. Yeah. 
And um, that is, uh, that's my story on evil twins. Yeah, I always feel like there's a good twin and an evil twin. Well, Have you known twins growing up? I did know twins growing up, um, but they were both, they were both nice. I knew, I knew a set of twins, Dean and Daryl. Dean and Daryl. Dean and, da and they always name twins with similar names too. Yeah. It's like not enough that they look alike, but yeah. they have to sound alike and like have the same names. And of course, everybody has to dress their kids the exactly same the exact same. clothes. Because how cute is that? It's oh, so cute. They both have that turtleneck on. Oh, mom, what a good yeah. job. But you know, I've never had problems with um, seeing differences in twins. I've never seen identical twins to the point where you wouldn't know the difference. I don't know if I've known enough twins to really try to test it. Usually I can tell the difference, but if they're trying to fool me and they, they dress the same, I've never given, been given that test, so maybe they could. I'm not sure. And I wonder if, like, nowadays they've got better ways to double-check identity. Because if you've got seven people in the world that look like you yeah, identically, right. mm -hmm. think about it. They could be doing a crime right now. And then well, you just have somebody show up at your door and arrest you for right? a crime. That's why DNA is so important. Mm -hmm. Though I do think twins have the same DNA, don't they? Yeah. Well, they have. Yeah, they share the same The same parents. genome and stuff. Um, but, you know, you and I, like my sister and I wouldn't share the same DNA. We would have very close similarities, but she would be mm -hmm. slightly different from me. But with twins, I think that it's exactly the same. Yeah, they would just have to do their thumbprints, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Well, thank you for those stories. Yeah, thank you for your stories. They were very interesting. We hope you guys enjoyed them. Yes. Have a great uh, evening and avoid your twin. Yes. You don't want to <laughs> see your twin at any time. Oh, speaking of twins. Yeah. One last thing. Um, so our good friend sent us coincidentally which is weird because she did not know our stories at all oh right i know what you're going to talk about yeah do you want to talk about it no you go ahead you go ahead so for some reason she just pops out this app that shows you who your twin is twinstrangers.net you can go in and do three simple steps activate your account basically upload a picture or something of yourself and it'll go out and it has a database of thousands of like pictures around the world of people probably on social media it's all connected right yeah and then they pull in your twins and it's remarkable they show examples of people finding their twin and it is so spooky these people look identical wow. to each other wow i mean i can tell the difference Are but you, did you do it a lot of people did you put your picture up there oh hell no <laughs> i'm not doing that are you i double dog dare you i could i'm, I'm not i scared. triple dog dare I'm you i'm not scared carol i'll do it anyway listeners if any of you have the nerve to do this and you come up with your evil twin or good twin my only fear would be to Send, find out my lookalike is doing better in life than I am. I don't want that to be. I want it all to be based on looks. I want her to be as miserable as I am. But a lot of these people say that these twins that they've found have become like their best friend. That's a They've become creepy. such a, like they've flown around the world to meet their twin. That's weird. And even the parents are like, oh my gosh, your mannerisms are even the same. There's this one case where these twins... They looked so similar that they got DNA testing and they're not even half related. They're not even, you know, you'd think they'd be some sort of part, same from part of the world or yeah. have some sort of, no, not at all. Wow. 
Huh. So that just tells you. Yeah. You the, just never know. The pool is getting less and less. Yeah. And we're looking more and more like everyone else. Yeah. Huh. Pretty soon we're all going to look like. The Greys. <laughs> I was trying to randomly think of an attractive person that we're all going to oh, look like. I've Kevin been, Bacon. No, we're all going to know the Bacon. Kevin Bacon rule. I've been told by more than one person that I look like Julianne Moore. You do, especially when, I have red hair. when you have red hair. Actually, we'll throw a picture up of you because you and do Julianne. look like Julianne Moore. I do. I don't look like anyone, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was just trying to think, who do you look like? I've had people tell me I look like the Mona Lisa. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the Mona Lisa. I'll throw a picture of, of myself. I put my head through the Mona Lisa at a like a street fair. <laughs> <laughs> people couldn't tell the difference. They're like, oh no. my God, that's the real Mona Lisa. <laughs> they tried to steal me. Oh. They tried to steal me but right I then thought- and there. Didn't you tell me recently that you've been told you look like some celebrity, like a current celebrity? No. Shit. And greeting him by asking. Oh, actually, I wrote this wrong. We're, we're backing up. We're backing up. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.